0: Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan. I'm talking, walking and often swimming in this marvellous county, sharing news and views with fellow enthusiasts. Also, if you want to explore further Inside Yorkshire, check out the video content and see why I fell in love with this area. It's available on the Patreon page, Susan Inside Yorkshire. The link is in the show notes and I look forward to having you come in and join us in today's episode I'm talking to Dr Helen Clifford who with her husband Alan run the Swaledale Museum in Reith the museum is based in the old Methodist schoolroom which was purchased in 1973 by the Law family who converted it into a folk museum Then, in 2004, it was rescued from closure and extensively restored to the museum we now know and love. There are some changes planned over this coming winter, however, I'll not jump ahead and instead will allow Helen to explain all about it. Good morning, Helen. It's lovely to catch you at last. I've been trying for years to get you to do an interview. (laughs) I think since we started back in 2018, each year I've tried... And now when there's a lot of different things going on for you, I've eventually got hold of you. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So really, I think what a lot of people um, will find interesting, certainly our local listeners will find very interesting to know a little bit more about your background and where you started.
1: Um, Well, my background, I uh, did history at university, basically. As a child, I loved history and used to sort of do my own digs in the garden um, but then um, this I went to university to read history so I went to Cambridge and read history uh, it was very much um, a, um, a sort of a, a subject a topic a week uh, I really enjoyed it um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do afterwards so actually um, as soon as I'd left university like many of us Back in the 80s, uh, I was unemployed, uh, but then I got a job uh, being an archivist at one of the colleges in Cambridge, um, but actually was not very good at it, because I kept reading the archives instead of cataloguing them, Um, and then that led on to um, going to the Victoria and Albert Museum uh, to do a joint course with the Museum and the Royal College of Art and History of Design, which was basically doing history through objects. So you do history through archives, you do history through paintings. Well, this was doing history through objects, and I really, really enjoyed that. So enjoyed it that it turned out to to be a PhD, because I got very interested in some goldsmiths' accounts from the 18th century, and it was really like um, uh, reviving the company through their accounts and the objects that survived. Um, And then had a really sort of checkered career. I worked um, at the University of Essex. I taught art history... And then I went on and ran a gallery studies course, uh, basically on doing exhibitions, which I really, really enjoyed, but always this combination of history and objects. Uh, And then I was seduced away by uh, an offer of a Leverhulme Fellowship in Oxford, uh, which I did for three years, looking at Oxford College silver. And uh, that turned not into, as planned, um, a rather boring book on sources on silver in Oxford colleges, but actually a really lovely exhibition we did on Oxford College silver. Um, and then, uh, then I really went back to the course that I'd done my MA, um, in, um, on history of uh, design and went back to teach on that course, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, but it was a time when the Victoria and Albert Museum was getting, well, it was having real problems, um, probably remember, um, there was the Saatchi and Saatchi campaign about an ace calf and quite a nice museum attached, um, and decided that actually, um, although the museum was a fantastic place to be, I didn't really want to stay there. And at that point, I then went sort of freelance, and I've um, been freelance ever since, really. But um, it was rather wonderful when I resigned from the VNA because, in fact, at that point, we had decided to um, take over the museum here in Swaledale, which was about to close. So I, I marched across Hyde Park with my letter of resignation. I said, you can't possibly resign. I said, yes, I can <laughs> Taking over my own museum, so it was it was um, it was quite exciting, Um, and so that really is the story of starting here in Swaledale back nearly nearly twenty years ago, taking the museum over. So objects and history always Hmm. connected. So
0: what brought you to Swaledale then?
1: Oh, that's because my husband, my husband's grandparents had a house in Art and Garthdale, and uh, when we met at the Royal College of Art, because the course I was on was a joint course with the victorian albert museum and the royal college of art uh, we used to come up every holiday and stay at the black ball uh, and then we decided that um as we were rather late developers we'd we'd, we'd we'd buy a house here um which in fact was next door to the museum wesley cottage and it was by having a house here that we got to know about the museum really so that's the story through my from my husband's mm. sort of grandparents um and loving walking
0: and loving the countryside um
1: yeah, so that's that's how we ended up here. Well,
0: that's been a real a real boon for the rest of us, then, hasn't <laughs> I don't <know> it? About <laughs> <that. clears throat> the museum's been running was running a while before you took it on, wasn't it? Very much it? so. Yes, it was uh,
1: set up in the early seventies uh, by uh, the the law, laws, Donald and Erica Law. Um, who'd been at uh, the chapel at war and then had taken over the Wesleyan Methodist Day School here in Reith, and they had transformed it into a museum. Uh, It was a time in the early 70s when people were becoming really, really interested in folk museums. It was called the Sweldale Folk Museum, and they were here at a very uh, pivotal time, really, because in the late 60s, early 70s, lots of Uh, old ways of doing things were actually disappearing very quickly. So they were um, collecting um, agricultural tools um, and obviously especially lead mining um, tools um, and social history. So it was a very, very good time to be here and to collect. Um, And in fact, before we took the museum over, we actually went to the museum at Reading, uh, the Museum of English Rural Life, which was one of the early pivotal museums to see how they had... um, had uh, displayed things, and in fact it was rather interesting because uh, clearly it was very, if you go back to the early 70s, you think of Hessian and browns and blues Mm. and all that sort of thing and how it was a very strong feeling to um, preserve that. So that's how the museum started um, and grew and grew. And by the time we take it, took it over, it was you know, it had it got a really good collection, although it had
0: fallen a little into disrepair. Really, it was in, in quite a state. Um, I remember because yes. so in the early days when I was when I first moved here, I visited before you took over. Really, mm-hmm. what was yes. it like
1: then? Yes, you tell
0: well, me. a little dark, and as you say, yeah. a little bit um, musty and looking like it needed some care and attention, which you've given it. Yes. Uh, Although I know that you, that there are some changes afoot, but um, first of all, do you just want to tell us where you got got all the exhibits from
1: here? Well, a lot. Obviously, we inherited from uh, the law collection, uh, which was which was great because it was a real sort of start. Um, and then, uh, because we've been here twenty years, of course, we've actually acquired other things over that time because. Uh, I think one of the important things um, about a little small local museum is that uh, you're in a position to take things on I mean we, we, we joke about it but people are on their way to the dump at Leyburn and they say oh well just stop in at the hmm. museum it's anything large and rusty but actually uh, joking apart you know, it's an opportunity to, to, to save things, uh, not just objects but also archival things as well diaries and journals and posters and all sorts of ephemera that otherwise would be lost, so if you're within a small community you are in a position to sort of rescue those things so we've benefited from that and uh, and the- the trust that people put in you to to keep them and look after them. So the collection has really expanded. Um, There wasn't really an archive here when we arrived, but we kept finding interesting bits of paperwork. So we set up an archive, which is now rather large, um, and that comprises sort of family history and things to do with local businesses, Um, and then obviously objects that go with them. Um, We expanded the collection through uh, loans. Um, We've got two very lovely loans um, from the Dayos Countryside Museum and the Bowes Museum, uh, and they're of uh, little uh, microliths. It sounds very boring, but the most Micro. exciting <laughs> microliths, little tiny miniature bits of stone, flint, that actually um, were collected by Tim Lorry. Um, many people will know Tim Laurie, who le- led um, wonderful archaeological walks across the local landscape um, finding all sorts of extraordinary you know, coaxial field boundaries and hut circles and also tiny bits of stone that were basically middle stone age tools so uh, we've got those and also um, many many donations small and large that have actually you know develop certain sections of the museum like the geology and the archaeology um so we're very very fortunate and all sorts of surprise things <laughs> that come in mystery objects that we then have to try and work out what they are found in the swell all sorts of things like i seem
0: that. to remember asking you i don't think i ever sent you a photograph but asking you about an item that i have which i must ask you about <laughs> <laughs> i should have taken a photograph before i came yeah. but um yes that just reminds me uh and also then along the way i know you do i know that you host talks here as well as elsewhere now because the interest is becoming so large yes, you yeah. actually no, branched we, out into the memorial hall locally that's for right. some yes, for some talks yes. and some groups that you've set up would yes. you just like to give well, us a the, bit more about the lectures,
1: that um, we started off up and we're actually where we're sitting now in the sort of upper gallery the mezzanine um we had a quite a small space but it rapidly and it became very popular sort of during the season we'd have um every couple of weeks talks and uh, drawing on local expertise and people who are working on different projects um and then well it was getting rather it was getting rather hot and sticky up here because we had a lot of people of uh, 40 people and we were getting a bit worried about that uh because actually we were just running out of space uh but then COVID hit, um, and of course, then we obviously stopped those. And then we thought, well, it would be um, it would be a wise strategy to move into a larger space um, for all sorts of obvious reasons. And this season, uh, having revived the lecture series, uh, we're now at the Wreath Memorial Hall, and um, yeah, it's been really good because lots and lots of people are coming, and it's sort of really and you fill it, heart. We, you feel it's it. Not quite full, but we certainly well, get a really good turnout, mm. uh, and that's really good because um, our lectures not only rely on you know, excellent speakers who will very generously um, give us the, the benefit of their knowledge, uh, but also, as anyone comes to the talks now there's lots of audience participation, so often there'll be lots of really, really interesting questions and people will bring things. Um, for example, we had a talk several years ago by an American um, uh, academic who was uh, writing, doing some research on the migration of Swelldale families to America Um, and I said oh well I'll tell the audience to bring things I think he thought this was rather bizarre but on the day lots of people turned up with letters that were written in the 19th century from Sweldale families who'd gone out to America and he was absolutely gobsmacked Um, and it's been very nice actually this season to welcome him back with the book done and published and um see some of those same people there and all the books he brought were sold out so it was a really really i mean that's the sort of atmosphere of the talks um oh, i was at the talk when, oh, when he when he became, came back yes, yes. It was so a real um, yes fascinating there is so mm. much um, within local communities and then, um, in a sense, building on uh, the talks, uh, we um, it was sort of purely selfish in a way because we wanted, we wanted to enliven the collection. So, um, uh, first of all, a group was set up, uh, an archaeology group, the Swelldale uh, and Art and Garthdale Archaeology Group, which are now a completely independent, fantastic group that have done, obviously, everybody knows that they do these wonderful digs and uh, discovering all sorts. But we also um, set up, uh, through Alan Mills, who was a very dynamic um, uh, ch- first chairman of the Friends of the Museum, we set up a, a vernacular buildings recording group. We set up a, an oral history group. In fact, whose fruits are a, um, an audio post, which is one of our most popular um, sort of exhibits in the museum. And we even had a craft group, a knitting group, which is now independent. So all these different things set up uh, are now fully independent, flourishing, and, and that's a really wonderful thing to have done. So we're, we're very proud.
0: Quite uh, a legacy, then. quite yeah, a, leg- a legacy exactly. to yes, actually kick-started yes. yeah, it. very much mm. so.
1: Um, so that's how, so it's not just a museum, it's about being a hub,
0: really. Mm. Um, and we really firmly believe in that. Now then, there are some changes afoot at the end of the month. Yes, Would well, you yes. mind actually well, talking about yes. that?
1: well, it leads on very well from what we were just talking about, about hubs and um, you know, uh, getting an interest in in, in our historic environment uh, beyond the museum. Um, obviously, when you take over a collection, as we've talked about, the collection was started back in the seventies with the Law family and has subsequently grown and grown. Um, one's there is a great responsibility to a, a local collection. Um, it's it's not just like leaving a shop and walking away, because you have a responsibility of care of uh, most primarily, really, of preserving those objects uh, for the future, for future generations, uh, whether they be local or from outside. Um, and it's been something that we've been thinking about for the future. We're now in our 60s, we've been running the museum for nearly 20 years. And um, we've been looking for a place for the objects to go. Uh, and the criteria, really, that they were in the day or they should stay as a whole collection, not be broken up, uh, that it should stay in the Dale uh, and that sh- it should be publicly accessible. And we thought, no. You know, the search really began, um, I suppose, in the midst of COVID. And um, we thought that this would take five years, ten years. We were ri- very happy to, to wait. And we, in fact, had um, mentioned this to our friends of the museum committee. Thought, well, it would, you know, it would take a long time. However, we were really fortunate because um, only three or four months ago um, we learnt about what Helen Guy and the Keld Resource Centre were up to in a sense uh, doing wonderful work restoring buildings up in Keld um, but the most recent of this year taking over the schoolroom up there and wanting to turn it into a museum and um Although they were beginning to acquire objects, they were in need of objects, so it just seemed a wonderful opportunity, a heaven-sent opportunity, uh, to say, well, would you like to take over the responsibility for the collection? And it was one of those lovely moments, uh, a very sort of female moment, where Helen and I almost unanimously burst into tears and gave us each other a hug it was not a, a formal committee meeting or anything like that um, and i've got great respect for what helen is doing up at keld and i feel that the collection will be safe it has a uh, the next stage to go to, to you know, next stage of development um however we're not going we're very much staying we're um, staying open as a museum we have our information panels we'll be borrowing back objects from the collection um and it also gives us an opportunity to develop themes that we haven't been able to explore previously, because obviously, with I the suppose. whole collection mm. and uh, limited space, so we're really relishing the idea of uh, you know exploring different aspects. Sort of it may be individuals, it may be buildings, it may be different places, um, but you know expanding on that idea of workshops and talk of talks and sort of. Um, and, and publications too because we've always wanted to do a guidebook to the Dal historic guidebook um, and um, over 20 years you come across all sorts of weird and wonderful things and it's an opportunity to develop those so it's a really exciting development and I think there's there's lots of space for uh, more of these places that are engaged with and want to promote local history and I think we should share things and to develop things and I think of it rather romantically as a vein of history running up from grief to, up to keld and back again. Mm. Um, there's, there's, there's lots of objects for everybody. It's, a big, it's, quite, it's not a huge collection, um, mm. I suppose, over 1,000 objects, but, um, you know, we've got 15 pets, hay spades and 7 peat spades and all sorts of wonderful things that we can share, so um, I feel this is a really
0: good thing for the future of mm. the museum collection. And you were saying that you have also borrowed some items from the Dales Countryside Museum, yes, of course, so and and the Bowes Museum. The
1: Museum. They will, in fact, uh, because they're directly from Tim Laurie. Um, Tim um, has said that he'd like them to go back to those museums and then yeah. be reissued from there, which is exactly the right thing to do. Um, but I think having those loans is actually a a sort of symbol of, you know, the trust that those museums have um, in a smaller museum, and I think that's. Uh, really important too it's also mm. symbolic of that relationship with larger uh, older museums and uh, how they they interact with smaller local outfits so you know that's a, a good
0: thing i'm relieved to hear that you're actually staying open because i oh, thought yes. i didn't no, realize no, that you were no. staying as a museum that's wonderful no, news no, no. so very much we'll be keeping the shop we'll
1: be um, yeah so it will be it will be different it dif- different uh, but, but yes I mean we're still um, running the school groups as well which we really enjoy um, so there's sort of objects we, we're keeping back or borrowing, borrowing from the collection um, that will help us work with the school children and tell the story that the panels in the museum tell. And, you know, in due course, different themes will appear um, and develop.
0: So, mm. it's uh, yeah, so it's really exciting. It's freeing you up to do other things, absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Part of the reason that I've had such <laughs> difficulty in tracking you down for an interview, for years, I would say, is that you also work elsewhere don't you
1: yes, yes, I mean um what's interesting about this museum and perhaps quite unusual is that actually it's a business um, and that and so um, obviously it's not a, it's not a lucrative one, so we have to we have to live so I uh, do work I do freelance work for um uh, a couple of London livery companies who go back to medieval times, to the 1100s in some cases. So I work as um, a freelance historian for them. I'm engaged in writing their histories. One for the gross- washiful Company of Grocers, who were spice traders going back to the 1180s, mm-hmm. um, and the gold the goldsmiths company, um, who are still very active today in the trade. So um, that keeps me engaged with you know affairs beyond the at pays the bills um and uh, also I work on exhibitions and academic projects I do editing so uh, for, for academic books
0: so busy yeah busy life so I understand why I haven't been able to get <laughs> hold of you always You've either deadline. Been busy busy here or busy always elsewhere a deadline. Mm. and just out of curiosity do you still neither of you drive that's
1: right no we've never have driven <laughs> <We're> still here <laughs> <laughs> very unusual um my uh, husband relies on his bicycle uh, I'm not so keen uh, but with um, the local bus service which we obviously support very very important the little white bus and keeping uh, keeping us um, mobile um, uh, and the friendship of neighbors as well helping us uh, so but
0: it is possible
1: difficult difficult to be spontaneous you've got to plan things but uh, especially
0: especially when people arrange to pick you up and then don't turn up If <laughs> you right, remember that's right. I once was collecting uh I once agreed to pick Alan up to take him over to Barnard Castle and completely I forgot he was stood on the corner and that. I probably I must have driven straight past him there you go how so awful
1: you go. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, mostly it works we're very grateful. <laughs> if there wasn't a bus and help we wouldn't be here no
0: no well there's no no bus that goes over the top is there that's the thing you've got to go um, up or down the dale yeah and time it correctly that's right (laughs) takes a bit of extra work no well that's um can you think of anything else that you'd like to
1: i suppose just to sort of give an idea of perhaps what's in the museum might be a good idea Mm. because in fact um it 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 does we we jokingly put out that it covers 300 million years of history which is actually technically true because it goes from geology so we have rocks minerals and fossils um and a sort of uh, a panel on that sort of geology which obviously of course is the foundation for the for the whole area both industrial Mm. and agricultural and social and cultural um and then of course because it being a lead mining area we've got a a wonderful collection of lead mining tools and three wagons and um, we also when we set the museum up got, we realised that we weren't in a position to write the panels ourselves so we actually went to professionals and experts so for example the panels on geology and lead mining are by Mike Gill and those in mining will um, know him as uh, the sort of premier historian of the local lead mines Um, and then Tim Laurie by lending us his uh, collections which are in turn on loan to other museums wrote the panels on prehistoric landscape so a really good foundation um, and then we've through um, exhibitions that we've done temporary exhibitions which we hope to develop in the future uh, but for example People of the Dale we focused on different individuals that told the story of the Dale so for example um, Susan Peacock the ferocious <laughs> landlady of the Tan Hill pub um, um, different people such as uh, the Jacksons who ran uh, the local business, Jacksons, the Drapers, um, through to various clerics and Philip Lord Wharton who gave wreath its market charter, so different individuals and its social history. Uh, we have the sound post that records voices and an opportunity to talk about dialect, which derives very much from the Norse. Uh, we've got mystery objects, you know, challenging people to work out what they are. Uh, we've got things from the local bottle dump up in Art and Garth, Duck, and can you work out what these shards represent? It gives us an, an idea of what uh, people were throwing away in the 19th century. So there's all sorts of wonderful things here that tell the story, really of the day really up until the 1970s, 1980s. But we're always thinking about things we should be collecting for the future, and we'll still keep on collecting too, because mm. we'll pass them on up to uh, to Helen, up at Keld, um, so it's
0: not a dead thing. It's a living thing. Um, it's, a, it's a living thing in a state of flux. Yes,
1: and you can probably hear the clock chiming. That's a Boothroyd clock. Boothroyd's actually ah. clockmakers up on High Row, and we have a Boothroyd clock which is staying here in
0: Wreath, along with other Wreath objects. So.
1: Yes, it's an active, not a, a passive place.
0: Definitely, and as anyone listening will probably hear, you've got visitors coming in and just out. Very and, good news. <laughs> <laughs> which is ju- coming. Which <laughs> is just what you want. Exactly, which, um, yes. and
1: we really much look forward to welcoming everyone next, next spring as well. We close at the end of September as usual, and then we'll be reopening in the spring, just as, just as we have done in the past
0: right so what what date will you be at? Um, it's
1: usually um the end of May beginning of June, so hmm. decide how 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 successful we've been on reorganizing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we can put notes Well, we'll put as many notes in on the the show notes for you as possible, oh, but we can always update it yeah. if you need us to
1: and uh, we're really delighted we had a meeting of the friends of Swelldown museum and they're they're continuing to go to, to to continue to support us, which is really wonderful so mm. uh, we're in a in a good and happy place for the future and
0: you do organize it 's not just talks you there are walks organized yes yeah, so well walks
1: we're we'll probably be doing walks actually around wreath um For example, there's a a, a well-known lady... Well, she isn't a well-known. She's actually an obscure uh, lady novelist called May Sinclair who lived here in the summers of the 1910s. We're going to do a May Sinclair... We're going to do May Sinclair walks. um, We'll do workshops, perhaps craft workshops and things. So all sorts of different things have got planned. So So watch this space, basically. Very much so. And thank you so much for interviewing me and pinning me down at last. Your (laughs) tenacity is admirable. and It's a wonderful thing you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. And also... Um, The next episode after this one will be with Helen Guy about the changes up in Cull. Excellent.
1: Wonderfully, (laughs) wonderfully programmed.
0: Yes. So thank you very much, Helen. That's been brilliant. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're interested in exploring further and seeing some of life inside Yorkshire, then check out the Patreon site, Susan Inside Yorkshire. The link is in the show notes, alongside my details if you want to get in touch with me. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next episode. Until next time then, this is Susan, signing out from Inside Yorkshire.